Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, August 12th, 2020. I am recording this at 9.30 in the evening. And the Columbus Blue Jackets and Tampa Bay Lightning have likely played another overtime by the time this podcast goes up. Let's hope for their personal health and their overall sanity that that is not the case. But in any event, welcome back, everybody, to another episode. Hope you all are having a good middle of your week. And why wouldn't you feel good if you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan with a 4-1 to win over the Chicago Blackhawks on Tuesday night in Game 1 of their first round series. Game 2, quick turnaround tomorrow afternoon. Welcome back, everybody. I am Danny Webster. I'm your host, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode in which we will break down the Golden Knights winning 4-1 to over the Blackhawks in Game 1. And we will also discuss what I thought was the best line of the night on Tuesday night, the Paul Stasny line, which they played a tremendous game for the first time, really, for the first time, really, we saw this line of five-on-five play at its best. Now, we've we've had a lot of talk since the start of training camp. We've talked about the top line and how Pacioretty, Stone, and Carlson can take over a game. we talked about the importance of the third line and how crucial their production is to the Golden Knights if they want to get where they want to go. We've talked about the fourth line. They're going to be starting a lot of games, and so far they have started every game since return to play has happened. Are they going to be able to keep up with the top lines and impose their will physically to ensure that they do not mess up? And can they contribute offensively as well? Last night was the case. Absolutely. So you take all that in consideration. And the second line, we have not really talked about them. We have not discussed Paul Stasny, Riley Smith, and Jonathan Marcheseau really at five on five in this entire ordeal. Saturday against Colorado in the final round robin game, we finally saw Marchessault wake up and score two goals. Now, albeit, the two goals came on the power play with a deflection in front and then came on a penalty shot late in the third period. But other than that, and other than Riley Smith having two assists through three games, we haven't talked about this group. And last night, for the first time in this entire resumption of play, the second line was the difference maker on Tuesday night. Riley Smith with two goals and an assist. The assist went to Shea Theodore's goal that broke the ice in the second period. And then William Carrier, as we mentioned earlier, the impact of the fourth line with Nicholas Waugh centering now along with Ryan Reeves. The Golden Knights got production from their second and their fourth lines in this game And that was really all they needed. Robin Leonard only saw 20 shots, made 19 saves. The only goal that was allowed on his end from against uh, Chicago, shorthanded goal by David Kampf after Brandon Saad made a pretty good play, lifting Shea Theodore's stick, and Saad found Kampf, and he just walked in and beat Leonard for the goal. After that, nothing really happened. Golden Knights kept the Blackhawks to the outside. They did not really play a big north-south game, which if you're playing the Blackhawks, I know that there is this infusion of veteran leadership and uh, youth that's going on right now in Chicago. If you take away the north-south game in Chicago and you force them to beat you on the outside, there isn't a lot of top-end speed down the middle that can make an impact against the Golden Knights when they suffocate the neutral zone. And when that happens, you're pretty much begging to hopefully get a couple shots, maybe a couple deflections in front, 
But when you have a guy like Robin Leonard who has been on fire since coming to Vegas, there's really not much you can do. And I thought Leonard, for the most part, again, he didn't see a lot. And I think he played fairly well. The biggest save of the night was that uh, save on Patrick Kane from the right circle in the second period when Chicago had scored the shorty and was trying to get Vegas back on its heels and trying to uh, make a comeback here. Uh, You don't want to leave Patrick Kane all alone in the right circle, let alone any circle, let alone anywhere on the ice. You do not want Patrick Kane all alone with nothing but him and the goalie separating himself from a tie game and... Robin Leonard made the big save of the night to preserve that lead. And eventually, again, going into the third period, the Golden Knights continue to dominate said third period. Both goals from Riley Smith came in the third period. The Golden Knights now, since returning to play, so the three-round Robin games and game one against Chicago, they are plus nine in the third period. That's going to win you games. Now, obviously, would you like to see the third period be the kind of performance you see for a 60-minute game? Absolutely. But when you're up 2-1 and you need to put your foot on the throat of the Blackhawks and you need to win to ensure that you have at least defended home ice advantage from the get-go, quote-unquote home ice advantage, I should say, you pretty much did what you needed to do. And Riley Smith, Jonathan Marshall, they made great plays. The second goal from Smith on the, uh, the breakaway there was fantastic. And it was a fantastic pass by Marshall, I should add, as well. The saucer pass through the middle just over Kane's stick. And Riley Smith walked in, beat Corey Crawford with the backhand. And that was all she wrote for this game. So 4-1 to one win. Golden Knights up one nothing in their best-of-seven series against the Blackhawks. Game 2 is on Thursday, 2.30 p.m. puck drop locally. Again, the game will be aired locally on AT&T Sportsnet. The rest of you... If you are listening outside of the region, can catch this game on NBC Sports Network. I thought, you know, when I look back at the tape, I was definitely under the impression that I thought Vegas dominated this game. And, and really, you know, you don't want to give Chicago so much, so many chances. You don't want to give them chances to hang around. I think that's what Edmonton did, and it came back to bite them especially when they decided to start Mike Smith over Miko Koskinen in game one, they really ran out of options. In the case of the Golden Knights, I thought with the exception of maybe the first seven minutes of the game, they dominated Chicago. At least I thought they did. And then when you go back and look at the second period, it's like, well, probably they could have done a little bit more and probably put them out of reach and maybe five, nothing, maybe six, nothing. It, It was that kind of a game. Crawford made some great saves, but really at the end of the day, dominate, might not be the best word, but it was pretty close to it. The Golden Knights kept Kane at bay. They kept Taze at bay. You know, the veteran guys that have carried them to three Stanley Cups, they held them in check. And that's really what you got to do. Make the young guys beat you. As talented as Kubalik and as talented as Doc and Nylander and Strom and Debrinkat, as talented as they are, they are going to be the ones that that need to beat Vegas if Chicago has any chance of winning this series or at least getting back into it. Um, th- clearly it's going to be an uphill battle trying to beat Robin Leonard and whether or not they have maybe the insider's advantage, uh, knowing how to go against Leonard, having practiced against him for X amount of months, really, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference if Leonard is only seeing 20 shots a night and he only, and the only one really that again, wasn't on him 
was a shorthanded goal. And really, when you got a two-on-one on a shorthanded opportunity, there's not much as a goalie that you can do in that situation except try and you know, fake the shooter out and hopefully you get a good save out of it. But it didn't happen there. And heading into game two, I'm looking at this from this standpoint. Would it be ideal to go with Marc-Andre Fleury and just to get him a game? Probably. But I... I don't think at the end of the day we're going to see one goalie ride it all the way to the cup. If the Golden Knights were to win, I don't think we're going to see Leonard ride it all the way. Flurry is going to get some run at some point. He's going to get some run in the back-to-back probably on Saturday and Sunday. But if I'm if I'm Pete DeBoer, I am rolling with the same lineup, the same forwards, the same D, the same goaltender heading into Game 2. Leonard is 6-0 and as Golden Knights goaltender. Three regular season starts, three postseason starts. He is undefeated. You ride that horse until it can't ride no more. So I would be very shocked if Marc-Andre Fleury is in netting for game two. I think, and again, it has nothing to do with Fleury in general. At this point, you got to go with the hot hand. You have to roll with the hot hand, roll with what got you here. And I think absolutely 100% Robin Leonard needs to get another start. And you know what? And then he'll probably go game three. If they win tomorrow, he'll likely go game three on Saturday. And then we'll probably see Flurry on Sunday. But I think you got to go with Leonard in game two. I think he's earned the start. I think he's earned the time. And, again, the way that Vegas shut down Chicago for the better part of about 53, 55 minutes, that, that's going to bode well, and it's going to make uh, a very uh, refreshed Robin Leonard, who, by the way, thank goodness, as Pete DeBoer has said today, uh, finally got some new skates. I have never seen a goaltender have multiple, not even just a goaltender, a player in general, blow two tires on their skate. And it was the same skate, the left skate, both going against the post and it just lodges off twice. Fortunately, that did not come back to haunt Vegas in terms of Chicago getting on the board and possibly tying the game because it was especially during a power play with Chicago down 2-1. If that does not result in a if somehow Chicago scores there we're talk, we're probably talking a whole different game here but Leonard did good uh, Leonard did well I should say uh second line was the best line of the night and really we're going to talk a little bit more about the second line in just a little bit um from their overall standpoint uh but first you guys know rockauto.com is sponsoring this podcast and sponsoring all the other great podcasts on this network. We love Rock Auto, and you know what? You should too. Rockauto.com, family owned business of over 20 years, taking care of all of your auto parts needs. Now, you're talking about, you know, tail light, you know, front light. You're talking about, you know, anything you can think of that you can't go to a regular auto parts store to find. Rock Auto has got you covered at great prices and great rates that you're not going to find anywhere else. And again, Rock Auto, family-owned business of 20 years, they can be trusted. And all you got to do when you go to the little box that says, how did you hear about us? You typed in locked in or locked on, locked on, locked in, locked on. They are locked in to give you the best prices from locked on. That's totally what I meant. Locked on is the only thing you got to put in that box and the folks at rock auto will take care of you all the parts your car will ever need rock auto and as a reminder friends you can very much indeed if you want follow the show on twitter 
at LockdownVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. You can also send an email to LockdownGoldenKnights at gmail.com if that suits your fancy. And that is the best way you can get in touch with myself or myself, I guess, because I don't I, I don't know who else you're going to talk to unless there's a ghost on the pod that I don't know about that talks over my shoulder, which would be very scary and very creepy and don't know if I want that. So if you would like to do so on the social media, all of it is greatly appreciated. Uh, speaking of greatly appreciated and speaking of scary, and I'm not talking about random ghosts that pop out and say boo, the second line last night was very scary. And we, and like I mentioned at the top, we've talked before about the other lines and how, how well they need to be in order for the Golden Knights to make a run at the cup. But really, we have not discussed the second line in full. The way that Stasny, Smith, and Marshall, especially in the last two games, have kind of turned it on and have delivered in big-time situations. And again, this was the first time that we saw the second line deliver at 5-on-5 in that fashion. Now, you look at Marshall and the way he played against Colorado with that power play goal and that penalty shot goal, obviously two big momentum swings in that game, much like Smith's two goals last night with Vegas only up 2-1 heading into the third, and he scores twice. Again, well, one of them should probably have been saved by Corey Crawford, but the second one, beautiful connection between 81 and 19 and led to the fourth goal, and the rest is history. Now, when you talk about the way that this offense has been humming for the better part of, what what now, four games, it's every line contributing. And it's every line contributing at a unique time. Like we saw the first line with especially Stone and Carlson make an impact. Obviously not to the degree of what I think we should expect of that line to be when Pacioretty is at full health. But you like what you see from that from that trio, especially when Stevenson was on there. They they didn't do a lot of great, but they did a lot of good enough to where they could still hold their own. The third line we've talked about a great deal, and I thought the third line was pretty good last night when you looked at Nick Cousins, Chandler Stevenson, Alex Tuck. That trio together for the first time, I thought they did fairly well. Very interested to see how they perform going forward because that line skated circles, notably Alex Tuck, skated circles around the Chicago defense last night. Fourth line obviously getting that big goal from William Carrier to put him up 2 nothing. Uh, which was two, I think it was like two goals and two seventeen. Very big moment there, and Nick Waugh, you know, he was very quiet in the round robin. He he did have his moments, but more so bad than good. And I point primarily to the Dallas game and a little bit of the St. Louis game too. But Waugh goes back in the fourth line with Rees and Carrier. He initiates the forecheck very well for a big body, and that pay dividends and that was the big reason why Carrier was able to pot that rebound but we talk about those three lines but we haven't talked about the second line and to me they're kind of the forgotten trio here which is kind of weird because two-thirds of that trio two years ago was on the best top line in the league if not one of the best top lines in the league what Smith, Marshall, Soe, and Carlson did in year one, I don't know if it could ever be replicated. It likely will never be replicated. But when you see those two who have been battle-tested in the playoffs before and they can p- 
put together performances like they have in the last two games, it definitely speaks to the depth of this team because we think when we look at the top line, we know who's going to deliver. We know Stone and Pacioretty is going to deliver. We know Carlson with his playmaking ability and his knack for scoring as well. When you look at those three, you know what you're getting. You absolutely know who is going to step up at the right moments, at the right time, in the right situations. And we know what Smith and Marshall can do as well. The difference here is that ever since that top line was formed, there really has not been a lot of chatter about them. Now, my biggest concern, if I'm going to think this way, the biggest concern that I would have if I'm the Golden Knights in the second line, I need 26 to get going. I need Paul Stasny to get on the score sheet. And he has not been on the score sheet through four games. He has not been... He, he hasn't been noticeable. And I, and I don't know if that is going to haunt them going forward because I think in order for Smith and Marshall to, con, con, to continue to perform at their highest level, which they have shown the last two games, that is peak Marshall and peak Smith, they're going to need Stasny to get going here. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about goals, just setting them up, setting them up for assists, setting them up for one-timers, setting them up in front of the net which, you know, Smith has proven before he can do damage and Marshall is as deadly in close, especially with that sniper as anybody in the league. You look at all of that, and I think that second line could very well be an X factor of a group. Now, obviously, like the X factor, the solo X factor in this playoff run will be Alex Tuck. But what I think that second line can do is going to be what the second line would have done last year. And really that second line did last year for a good portion of that playoff run against San Jose. The second line took the pressure off. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about the second line of Stasny, Pacioretty, Stone. Those guys were the second line. The top line of Carlson, Smith, and Marcia so they took the pressure and I'm talking about 26 67 and 61 they took the pressure off the top line because they were starting it each game they were making an impact but it goes without saying we got 12 points 11 points and eight points in seven games you're making an impact those guys were getting going and it took the pressure off Carlson and it took the pressure off Smith and took the pressure on Marshall. Because when you go into this year, those guys really, for lack of a better term, the pressure was on them to perform in year two just as much as it did in year one. And by the way, completely off topic, I have not looked at my TV in, in about the almost 20 minutes I've been talking. It was 2-2 between St. Louis and Vancouver at the end of two. It's now 4-2. The Vancouver Canucks, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the Couve. Anyway, back back to the second line. Those guys, I think, could really put some damage on opponents, especially in this series against Chicago. Because what we're going to see, at least for this series, we're going to see the top line kind of get back into form. Because even Pacioretty, is for as good as he is, and he had some good moments last night, I mean, it's his first game in five months, and he wasn't available for the first three round-robin games either. I don't think we're going to see the the lethalness 
of that top line, at least for maybe a couple more games. The good news is, is that if you have the offense humming at the rate that it is, you don't need the top line to perform. You only need the top line to perform when the time is right. And the time to do that would be the second round and beyond. So that to me is going to be the most important thing. I do want to see Stasny get going a little bit more, and, I, and I'm not exactly sure what that's going to entail. If he can just get maybe, it might just be an instance of like Marsha So, where it's going to take a power play point or two for Stasny to get going. And I, and I think really that's all it is, is to just get him on the stat sheet, whether it's through a secondary assist, whether it's through an assist in general. But as long as he gets on the board, I think that's going to open the floodgates for Stasny. And really, technically speaking, he should have gotten a point last night. Because that screen that he set in front of Crawford uh, on Shea Theodore's goal was absolutely spectacular. The way that he was able to hold position. I can't remember the Blackhawks player off the top of my head uh, that he was battling position with in front. The fact that he was able to hold position long enough for Theodore to get a snipe. And not only that, get a snipe off and deliver at a very tight angle against Corey Crawford. Which is probably another goal he should have saved. But it's Shea Theodore. He knows how to snipe. He knows how to defeat the will of everybody involved. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just be like, well, maybe Corey Crawford should say no. Shea Theodore is that good, and Shea Theodore has three goals in the playoffs right now. It's ridiculous how good he's been and what he could become down the road. But if Stanzin gets it going, I think that's gonna open up the whole ice for Smith and for Marshall. And those guys, I think, are going to need to carry the load, especially in the top six, as Pacioretty continues to rev his game back up heading into especially game two tomorrow and as the playoffs go forward. But overall, I thought second line was the best line of the night. The way that the four check was put on them on Chicago, Riley Smith looked like Connor McDavid out there in some instances, the way that he was using his speed to get to pucks, to win puck battles, the way that he was you know, just winning puck battles in the neutral zone the way that he, he just looked that good last night. He, not even just in the scoring department, the overall two-way game, the overall impact that 19 can provide, he did it last night. And it was definitely beneficiary to see Jonathan Marshall contribute in the way that he did as well. So I'm going to be looking forward to see how that second line responds in game two. And who knows, maybe it only takes one game for Pacioretty to get going in that top line to assume it's dominance. But you know what? I liked what I saw. Maybe it wasn't a complete dominant effort, but they did what they needed to do. They took care of business, and the second line was definitely the reason for that. All right, one quick look around the league before we get out of here. And again, I know this is going up way late, so you can think of this as your pregame pod and your postgame pod because, I mean, 2.30 start time tomorrow. Are we really complaining? Likely not. Um, I, I did want to mention this and I would be remiss if I didn't mention Columbus and Tampa Bay in game one, absolutely a thriller of a game. I watched the entire thing. I don't know who didn't watch the entire thing, but I did want to make a note here because there have been a lot of people on the Twitterverse in recent hours, recent in the recent 24 hours that are saying that games should be shortened so that what happened last night does not happen again. And what happened last night was 
Columbus and Tampa went so long that Carolina-Boston game one had to be moved to 8 a.m. this morning. Now, I get why that would be a problem, but let me just put this out there. This would not have been a problem if the, if the players were not in a bubble. If game one was held in Tampa, like we all would like to hope it would, if game one was in Tampa and it went five overtimes, I don't think anybody's batting an eye because they don't have to worry about, you know, games getting postponed. They don't have to worry about, you know, production of a game. They don't have to worry about the ice conditions. They don't have to worry about anything. And I think that's where a lot of people's anger is getting misplaced. If this were a regular postseason, five overtimes would be magical. And you you mean to tell me that you see a performance like Eunice Corposalo had last night and you're telling me you wouldn't want to see that every other time? Maybe not every other time, but you get what I'm saying. Like that that kind of performance doesn't come around every often. It doesn't come around often. And the way that that game was played, it was high intensity for, you know, technically speaking, nearly two full games of action. Both goaltenders, Corpusalo and Vasilevsky, were fantastic. And that's what you want. You want your goaltenders, your elite all-star level goaltenders, to be at its at their absolute best. And if that means going all the way to the 10-minute mark of a fifth overtime, no one in this right mind should be complaining. I, I don't care if Mike Milbury's got a problem with it. I, I don't care who's got a problem with it. That game last night was awesome. It was awesome from start to finish. And anybody who says otherwise, I really don't know what to think of you. Now, I just find it funny that the game that was postponed ended up going to double overtime. Thankfully, Patrice Bergeron uh, put that game away a minute or so into the double, into the second overtime uh, the Bruins did get the game one victory over the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't know exactly what this is going to do going forward between the Canes and the Bruins. Only reason why I say that is this. The officials are not going to like Rod Brindamore going forward <laughs> after his comments, uh, it, most especially in the goal that was scored, I believe it was by Charlie Coyle, the goal where the puck was lodged from Peter Morazic's glove. It looked, he covered it up and... I, I thought all of us should have been like, well, you probably got to blow the whistle here. Nobody ever blew the whistle. The puck got loose, and they scored and tied the game at two. Uh, to me, I don't know if – I don't think we're really going to know exactly what the officials told Rod Brindamore. I don't think Rod Brindamore is really going to come out fully and say – well, he did say what the officials told him, but which was literally nothing. But – I'm going to be interested to see how game two is called just because I don't know quite exactly how officials handle that when the coach of the team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals last year calls the league a joke because of the inconsistent officiating. I don't know how to think of that, and I don't know what that's going to do for the Hurricanes going forward. be very interesting to watch. But I will also be watching Boston's top line, which all of a sudden resurrected to its greatest heights in game one David Pasternak remembered had to score and obviously Bergeron with the game winner in overtime the Bruins I don't think they're back yet but it's good that you got that win out of the way because at least we now know that the president's trophy winners know how to win a game 
And I think if you're a Boston fan, that's really all you need in that situation. The New York Islanders. I, I said it at the beginning of the week before I, when I made my predictions. The Islanders are going to pose a problem for the Capitals. They are going to beat them up. And that's exactly what happened. I think it was seven penalties in the, in the first period alone. I think we're, what, three fights? And a bunch of guys in the penalty box. Because I was on a Zoom call with Peter DeBoer at around 1 o'clock. By the time I turned my head, it were like five people in the penalty box. So it was that kind of a game. But the Islanders scored three times in the third period. They rally from down 2 nothing. Nicholas Backstrom might be out for a while. That's going to be a huge blow for Washington without really saying any much. But three goals in the third period, and the Islanders get the win and lead the series 1-0 over the Islanders. Uh, The Colorado Avalanche, (laughs) I feel so, so bad for the Arizona Coyotes. And before I go any further, we I think everybody in this lifetime— Everybody in this world needs to, if you, if you are a, an enjoyer of the, uh, the finer alcohols in life, I would like for you to take out your finest whiskey, your finest, uh, you know, your finest bottle of Hennessy, whatever, whatever it is, or you know what, even for this, for this audience, sparkling cider, if you have sparkling cider, I would encourage you to take a shot of that as well. And pour one out for Darcy Kemper. Because I have absolutely no idea how the Arizona Coyotes, who have made so much stride in their offensive play, they go out and get Phil Kessel, they go out and get Taylor Hall, their defense is very good, their captain is one of the best offensive defensemen in the league, and you put up 14 shots against Colorado? The fact of the matter that it went up until the third period before either team scored shows you how good Darcy Kemper has been in these playoffs. He did everything in his power to ensure that the Avalanche would not score. And the fact that it took all the way to, what what would it be, uh, seven minutes into the third period before Kadri finally scored? And then, fi- and then what, 10 seconds later, Comfer scored. And then finally, Rantanen scored a minute later. Darcy Kemper cannot do it all by himself. He cannot. He cannot do it by himself. And it is a problem if Arizona cannot generate any offense. I, we know Colorado's good. I've said Colorado's the most dangerous team in the field outside of Vegas in the Western Conference. But come on, 14 shots? You are not helping your goaltender. And from what I saw on Twitter, uh, Rick Tockett was not very happy with his group after the game. And I wouldn't be either if I only registered 14 shots and my goalie literally did everything in his power to ensure that they, that we won game one. Arizona could have stolen game one had Kemper not run out of gas. You cannot put this blame on him. He was fantastic. Coyotes need to get it together. Absolutely need to get it together. Also from last night, before I forget... The uh, Calgary Flames winning 3-2 to two over the Dallas Stars, to which I still think there is something not right about the Dallas Stars. I don't understand why they cannot be as dangerous offensively as they should be. I don't know why. 
it is also concerning to me that Anton Kudobin was a starter in game one, and I'm not really sure how uh, how the coaching staff in Dallas is going to handle splitting between Bishop and Kudobin. I don't know how that's going to work. But the Flames, really, if we're talking a higher seed versus a lower seed upset, this really wouldn't be an upset. The Flames are that talented, and they are, they could really... They, they could really make this a very unfun series for Dallas. It, it, just because, I mean, you look at it last night. Dylan Dubé scores the first two goals of the game. Yeah, Dallas scored, what, twice in nine seconds? They got right back in it. But then, of course, Calgary responded with another goal. And then after Dallas scored those two goals in, what, nine, ten seconds, they got nothing, literally nothing offensively. And if you cannot match Calgary's offense, you are putting way too much pressure on the goalie situation, no matter who is in net for Dallas. So to me, Calgary's got them right in the back. And I think Calgary wins this in five. I, I keep going like five and six. I, I They might win it in five. They, there's, just, there's just not enough for Dallas right now. And if I'm a Stars fan, I would be legitimately concerned about this whole ordeal. So there you go. There's your look around the league right now. As I look, there is an empty net For the defending champion Blues, with three minutes to go, they have the puck in their own zone. And Tarasenko's got it in the left circle, kicks it back out to Dunn. Dunn gets it over to, I believe that was Petrangelo. Petrangelo uh, gets it blocked. Actually, it might have been Perron, not Petrangelo. That was Perron. So many sevens on the the Blues. I think Jaden Schwartz is 17. uh, Perron's 57. Petrangelo's 27. Uh, there's just a lot of sevens. I, I, I just thought I would throw it out there. It wasn't, wasn't Pat Maroon number seven last year? Like, you see what I'm saying? Two and a half minutes to go. And two goals down. I, I think the Canucks might actually pull this off. Uh, I'm, I mean, we've seen Toronto and Columbus completely uh, exchange ridiculousness in their qualifying series. I think that shot just hit the post. <laughs> oh, the Blues can't get anything going. Markstrom standing tall. I think, watch, I'm going to upload this and the Canucks are going to lose. Um, that was Petrangelo. Okay, I, I don't know. Actually, Petrangelo had his shot blocked by the stick. I think that was not, not Bo Horvat. Tyler Myers. Oh, good God. This is what happens when I do play-by-play. And this is why I haven't done play-by-play on the podcast in a long time because usually podcasts, one, don't go up this late. Two, uh... Watching a game while trying to record this is not good on my neck because I have to like turn and it just doesn't work that way. So, uh, barring a Toronto Maple Leaf slash Columbus Blue Jacket type collapse, the Vancouver Canucks are going to take game one over the St. Louis Blues, which might be the most shocking result of this entire first round to this point. So, I, you know what? I did say Vancouver in seven. But you get a good performance like this out of Markstrom, and you get a good performance out of your offense at the start. I think uh, I think the, it's looking good, especially if you're a Golden Knights fan. You want all the lower seeds to advance as much as possible, especially if a possible second-round matchup with the Blues is in the cards. I'm just saying. But again, it's only game one. There's plenty of time to just throw things at the wall and hope they stick later. But who knows? Gentlemen, sweep. Blues win straight four straight. That's basically what could happen. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for me for today's episode. Thank you all for downloading, sharing, listening, subscribing, all of that jazz. Tomorrow, 
more than likely uh, post game pod after the game, since again, it is an earlier start. We'll more than likely get the pod up after, uh, after zoom availability and all of that jazz. And we'll see if the golden Knights can take a two, nothing commanding lead in this series before Saturday's game three. So with that being said, Hope you all have a good day. Good night, really. Hope you all have a good day on Thursday, because that's likely when you're all listening to this. And yeah, we will see you post-game tomorrow after the game. Until then, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and I will see you tomorrow. Have a good day.